0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. With Premier League football due to return in less than three weeks' time, plenty of preparations are going on behind the scenes. One of the main hurdles for the players to overcome, of course, will be that of regaining match fitness. So here on the Blood Red channel, we've been catching up with former Liverpool head physio Dave Galley. I'm Guy Clark, and welcome to our exclusive chat with the man who ran the physio room, for six years at both Melwood and Anfield culminating in that historic night in Istanbul back in 2005. So sit back and enjoy as we talk with Dave Galley on his role with the Reds that season under Rafa Benitez before he gives us his professional view on the return of Premier League action with Project Restart. We began though by rewinding the clock almost 16 years to the summer of 2004 as Rafa Benitez replaced Gerard Houllier and the difference That he brought to the club,
1: very different overnight, but an interesting change. You know, the way he worked was was different to uh, to Gerard, but he got the players that were good enough, uh, and everybody seemed to take everything on board. Uh, and we just sort of worked hard every day, and success is a consequence, as they say. It's not a result.
0: No, and I suppose for you that season, you, you wouldn't know then in the summer of two thousand and four just how busy you'd be that season because i suppose even from day 1 it was uh, there, there were constantly players in your physio room needing treatment and there were a fair few lengthy injuries through the course of it as well
1: yeah definitely definitely it's funny people always ask me what's what's my biggest memory of the the actual final and i can honestly say now my biggest memory was being absolutely shattered before the game <laughs> It was just one hell of a long season, but as it turned out, it, it was worth every single minute of it. And it didn't finish then, obviously, because Harry Kuehl got his injury in the game. And when we came back, it was he opened top bus around Liverpool, and then up at four AM to take Harry Kuehl for surgery on his green. So it was it was a few days after the final that we slowly began to sort of wind down a bit.
0: I, I think a lot of people actually. Within that season, of course, Istanbul is the overriding memory. But I think, aside from that, reaching the League Cup final, but a number of those injuries, there were big injuries through the course of the season. Obviously, Jibril Sise having arrived, had that horrific broken leg at Blackburn yeah. Rovers. Xabi Alonso on New Year's Day, wasn't it, against Chelsea, broke his ankle, I think it was, in a tackle with, with Frank Lampard and yeah. Stephen Gerrard as well through the course yeah. of the season, especially through that group stage. You were constantly having to patch him up and even make sure he was there for the Olympiakos game
1: exactly that was some game as well but the, the thing that people don't realize now as well is there was only two of us there was there was me and another physio and, and that was it uh, we had a masseur as well soft tissue injury but that that was that was our medical team then now you're talking about six seven eight nine medical staff we had two of us to to do everything from the acute stuff right away and cover the games all the travel it was it was good fun but it, it, was, it was hard work, really was, but enjoyable.
0: Yeah, it certainly sounds like you earned that medal at the, at the end of the season, that's for sure. It was a fun season, but
1: uh, but worth it, well worth it.
0: What, what sort of stage did you you sort of start thinking through the course of that season? Actually, we've got something special here. Of course, there'd been all that talk about Stephen Gerrard leaving Michael Owen, had already gone, new manager in place. But the team, as the season went on, just seemed to foster that team spirit and that never say die attitude, which, of course, was so prevalent in the final.
1: Yeah, when you, when you look at the lineup for the for the actual final against Milan, it, it's not a fantastic lineup. It's not a, a great set of individual players. But collectively, we were as strong as anyone, and mentally, we were as strong as anyone. And I think that's what got us through. You know, you, you come to the half time, you're 3 0 down against Milan in a final. There's a back from that. Collectively, we all did it and Roffa had got a nice, quiet way of, of going about his, his team talk and, and what he said, how he said things. Stevie G, Cara, unbelievable characters. Um, you know, They got the crowd on our side, got the players together. And little of twists of luck, fate, decisions, changed the game. And six minutes of madness later, you're back in the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Six minutes of madness. can see on your, your back wall there, the poster with the Istanbul, with the, the two club crests there as well. But in terms okay. of that halftime team talk, it's, it's something... as well, by the way. Pardon?
1: So I got that all signed as well. I asked permission to take it off the wall and I've got that as my memento. But I've got it all signed by all the players and
0: staff. That's absolutely brilliant. Priceless. Yeah, and all the memories that come with it. But that halftime team talk is, is something that's fabled now. It's something that a lot of people have asked the questions and spoken about it. I wanted to to ask you about it because, of course, we know the incident of Jimmy Traore was going to be substituted. Steve Finnan then had this injury. And I suppose you're the man who has to break it to Rafa whilst his mind scrambled trying to work out the tactical plan. Gaffer, Steve Finnan can't continue.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> it obviously, we, we came in at half-time. The place was just dead. It was very quiet for probably only a couple of minutes, but it seemed like about 30, 40 minutes. Um, Steve then said his thigh was sore, so we, we'd get him on the table, have a look, assess him. Um, and obviously, in this time, people are starting to talk and Rafa's saying his bits sends Jimmy into the shower, he was going to make this, the change. I don't know if Jimmy actually got into the shower or if he was just getting ready to go in the shower. Um, and and it was it was quite obvious he wasn't going to be able to finish the game in the condition he was in. So I, I don't think he's spoke to me since, by the way, as well. Uh, we had to just go and speak to Raph. I said, look, he's, he's, he's got a problem with his thigh. He's not going to be able to finish the 90 minutes. It's your decision if you want to change him or not. But he's, he won't last the 90 minutes. So he said, right, we'll change it. Get Jimmy back out of the showers. Didier your Man, you're going on. Uh, and look, it, it, it all worked, apart from Steve. But he got a winner's medal out of it, so he can't be too unhappy.
0: No, certainly not. And I just wonder, how difficult is that you you obviously through the course of your career plenty of times would have offered that advice to managers and I'm sure a few of them would have barked back at you and said, you stick to your job, I'll do mine, I'll put the player back out if I want to. But how difficult in that pressure environment is it to have to go up to the manager and say, look, I know you've got this plan, but you're going to have to consider this?
1: I think you've got to use your experience and, and things that you've, you've done in the past, how you've dealt with it, how you put it over to the manager. Uh, how you put it over to the player as well, but it's it's just using your experience. It's you're, you're there to do a job, uh, and you've got to take your your professional head and your personal head completely aside and just make a professional decision for the benefit of the whole team, not just for one player. Um, and luckily, Rafa was very, very good at, at understanding things like that. And I've actually I've seen him since when he was up at Newcastle. I've gone up to a few games, and he still talks about it very very fondly and he said if you hadn't told that I wouldn't have put Didi on we may not have won it so he's you know, he's, he's a sensible sensible manager in that way so he, he took it in the right way but it's just experience I think
0: so you're telling us you're the man to thank for the, the miracle of Istanbul
1: <laughs> I wish
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not if you ask Steve no. and <laughs> no, no no I bet not uh, but in terms of all, all of sort of the the things that do come to together with all of that, as you said before. Now we see when clubs win trophies, and I, I seem to remember Manchester City over the last two years, the bundles and bundles of backroom staff and sports scientists, physiotherapists. They have. You said before there were only two of you, so you guys must have really sort of had your hands full, running back and forth, doing absolutely everything.
1: It, it is everything. Um, Say so there was there was two physios we had a doctor and we had a, a soft tissue therapist and that was it so we were covering games reserve games still as well um you know every training session every game we were traveling you'd still got injuries back that you were looking after long term which uh, my sort of colleague looked after there so it was a it was a full-on full-time job really was it was uh, it was hard work and we, we certainly we tried to get more staff. But at the time, it, just, it wasn't possible. No. You know, when you look now, seven, eight physios, it's, it's a lot easier and you can get more work done, more quality work. No. I do remember one. Again, it was Steve Finnan. Mm. Um, I was out. We were, we were running with Michael Owen and Steve Finnan, just around now, both trying to get back to fitness. Um, and... Literally about 20 minutes into the run, Michael said, no, I said, I can still feel something. I'm not, I'm not right. So we're running with two players, one Michael Owen, one Stephen. And it's not one big player, one little player by any means. But I have to go in with Michael because I'm the only one that could could see him and treat him there. So I said to Steve, you carry on running for another 10 minutes, which is what we were doing with the, with the set plan, and then come in and we'll look at you from there. He came in ten minutes later with a raging hump. You leave me alone, running on my own. I don't have anybody running with me. You think he's more important than me? And and it was. I love Stephen into bits. By the way, it just always seems to be him. But that was it. Was difficult. You have to make a decision which was your priority. Mm-hmm. So it's. It was awkward.
0: No, I bet it was. But in terms of the, the Istanbul final then, of course, Harry Kew is selected for the final. Within the first half of the first half, he has to go off with the injury. I yeah. suppose for you as well as a physio helping players make sure they are fit for the game because, of course, Harry Kiel had had an injury hit time during his time at Liverpool, helping him be prepared for that game. You have that human side of things, that psychological side of things, working with the player, making sure they're going to be ready for the big match to then see, as you say, his groin go and that pure devastation and upset that it causes of the player having to come off in a major final like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But this this goes back to what we were saying earlier about how you put things over to the manager. Harry, I think, I'm sure he won't mind me saying it now, but he he wasn't fit for the final. Uh, And as a medical team, we voiced that opinion to the manager. We voiced it to the player in hopefully the right way. Um, And it proved that he he wasn't fully fit, but Rafa wanted to play him in that final. You know, it was the last game of the season. It's a, a throw your dice type event. Um, and the manager wanted to play him. So we just backed the manager 100%. The player was happy with, you know, our opinion, the Rafa's opinion. He wanted to play, obviously. So it was a case of allowing him to play safely or sensibly. He didn't get through it. And then, say, two days later, we're, we're in the surgery, getting his groin repaired.
0: We go from from that moment, of course, in the first half, to you mentioned after half-time, the six minutes of madness, Liverpool back on level terms. You then get to to extra time in the game and you've got 11 players out there. Last game of the season, played all of these games, been to the final of the League Cup. Of course, they'd been through this arduous run within the Champions League and you've got the likes of Jamie Carragher hobbling around basically on one leg, just making sure they get over the line.
1: I don't think he'd even got one good leg at that point, to be honest. I've, I've still got a photograph on my phone of, of somebody taking a photo of, of Jamie Flat on his back, me stretching his legs out when he'd gone down with cramp, and then literally after the pens, he'd sprinted 120 yards down the pitch to celebrate. And everything's forgotten, but it's, it's a mental thing as much as anything. Then you know you've you've got a that will to win, and I think we had that collectively as a as a group of players, um, and we were just stronger than them. I think that six minutes completely knocked the stuffing out of them. Um, you know, we got through mentally at the end of it.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Being on the bench, of course, as you, as you had been in, in the treble winning season, your time at the club must have been absolutely fantastic. Having your front row seat to seeing all of this success that, that Liverpool had, whether it be in Europe or whether it, of course, be in those domestic cups as well.
1: Yeah, it's, when I look back now, it, it's absolutely fantastic and you know an unbelievable time at the club. It, it was my best part of my career by far. But at the time, you, you're doing a job and you don't think about it. I don't watch, even now, I don't watch the football match that's going ahead. You're watching three, four, five seconds behind the game to see if there's an injury, if there's a problem, what mechanism of injury it could be. So you don't actually watch the game of football You know, there's many a time people say to me afterwards, what about that? Did you see that move? I was like, no, I didn't. Because you you walk from a different perspective. And I think that's what it's all about. The medical staff do their job. The coaching staff do their job. The players do their job. And when it all comes together, you've you've always got a chance then.
0: How much did it mean for you as well? Obviously, seeing the likes of Jamie Carragher, Stephen Gerrard, play such a crucial role, not just be part of the team, but they were the two linchpins of that side. You, of course, had been at the club whilst they'd been coming through as young lads and all of a sudden you got to see them and witness them conquering Europe?
1: I don't think there can be a better feeling. It's difficult to put into words. They're both fantastic lads. Great to see them going on. If I'm honest, I thought Jamie Carragher would have been the manager and Stevie would have been a manager. But I think Jamie would have been first, and he's, he's proved me wrong on that. Both doing great in their careers now. But I, I always remember with with Carra especially, if, if Gerard Houllier or Rafa when he came in didn't know anything about a particular player anywhere in the world, they would go to Jamie to ask him for the answers, and he would just rattle them off. His knowledge is fantastic. But just great lads, great characters, and, and say proper scouters that you want. As your, your core of your team, and they, they led the foreign lads, especially they led them into the, the Liverpool way, which is, is special all over the world, anyway.
0: And I suppose, ever so evident in that final, because you mentioned going in at how flat it was at 3 0 down. I don't think, I think Jamie Carragher's spoken a number of times saying nobody actually did believe perhaps it was possible, but as soon as they got that sniff of, of blood of the AC Milan side, they weren't going to let it go,
1: exactly. And again, in the, the half time. My, I don't know if mine's right, but my recollection of the half time was, was coming in, it being deadly quiet. Uh, and the first two voices you hear are Jamie Carragher and Stephen Gerrard talking to each other. And then it gets a bit more, not heated, but a bit louder. A few more people join in and then Rafa comes in and says his piece. But the, the one thing I can remember was Jamie saying, we've got to do it for them, listen to them. And you could just hear the crowd outside. I've got all goose pimples now. You can hear the, the crowd outside singing you'll never walk alone. And it's uh, it was an amazing, amazing second half.
0: Incredible. It, yeah, it does. It just defies belief. But moving on to, to the present day then, Dave, and chatting about yeah. your role now, you, you're working with Plymouth Argyle. The League Two season, of course, has been officially confirmed as being finished. You're waiting on tenterhooks to see if that's going to mean that you're going to get a yeah. promotion. But we are obviously in, in awkward and uncertain times.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's very, very difficult at the moment. Um I think for the for the lower leagues, leagues it's it's difficult medically but difficult financially for the clubs as well you know it's it's well documented that to put football games on it's an expensive business and if you've got no revenue coming in from crowds it's it's going to put a lot of stress on the owners of the of the football clubs and um, medically obviously you you've got to look at the safety of the players and up until recently I don't think they had a fair voice as a group of players I think now that's that's come to the foreground of it, which is a good thing because they're the ones that are on the pitch playing the game. And I've never yet seen a game of football with no contact. So, you know, it's you, got to be safe for, for the players to play and safe for, them and for the staff to work around them as well.
0: you yeah, are hearing sort of, oh, we, we've read, I think it's probably fair to say a few balmy things of players having to to look away when they do tackles and goalkeepers not being able to shout this, that and the other. It's not going to be feasible. But of course, there have been plenty of discussions right at the top end of the game in the Premier League of how and when it could be safe for football to return and just how that could go about. We're sort of hearing from different reports and whatnot, the government, obviously, because football's a massive industry, not just a, a sport that people are in, invested in emotionally, but that whole industry, yeah. the government wants it back as soon as possible. But I suppose, and you'll tell us from a, a professional point of view, that actually there is a reason why the clubs will want to hold off for a few extra weeks if they can, to make sure everything conditioningly is, is right for, for a return.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, I know it's a big industry. I know there's a lot of money involved in it, but it's people's lives. And, you know, you've you've got people like Steve Bruce, Nigel Pearson coming out and saying if there's one fatality, it'll kill the game. Uh, and it'll have a massive impact on the game down the line. So for me, I think it, it's got to be initially, it's, it's got to keep it as simple as we can. It's got to be safe for the players to return. Fitness wise, if if you think they've had, what, eight weeks, nine weeks off now, that's longer than normal summer by a long way. They're going to need a good for me four five six weeks even to to get fit enough to play the game um and you know they're talking about the middle of june I, I don't think realistically that's enough time uh, i know raheem Sterling's to come out he's one of the voices that's that's prominent in it come out and, and voiced his opinion say it's not long enough i totally agree i think they've got to be to, to reduce the risk of injuries they've got to be fit enough to to start and if they're starting in small groups they can only do a certain amount, then bigger groups. It's it's just a massive risk that does it really need to take place?
0: No, and no, I suppose there's, there's massive... Uh... Massive squads that Premier League clubs have now, whether it be under 23s as well, in terms of supplementing things. But one thing, sort of as you mentioned there, in terms of even having that five, six-week pre-season you would have, of course, there's not going to be any friendlies. I know the club can put behind-closed-doors yeah. games on themselves, but those friendly games, I suppose, even with smaller crowds there, help build that fitness that, that players well, have before they return.
1: Massively, yeah. It, it's, it's different. When you're playing in-house game, 11 v 11, it's, it's a training session. You play a friendly game. It's still a training session, but it's a game. Uh, and there is a different mentality to it. And it, it pushes you towards getting ready for that initial game that you really, really need. Um, I just hope we don't get to the situation where, and I, I don't think anybody's actually come out and said this yet, but certainly for, for Liverpool, for, for mine, that's, it's still my club. If they play two games, win those two games, they've won the, the league, it doesn't get to a point where they say, right, we're going to finish now. Is obviously, the, the bottom clubs have, have got the relegation. That's probably it's a lot more important for them financially um, as well. So I think it's just a really difficult situation. And if somebody gets a bad injury, there's going to be a lot of comeback and a lot of insurance claims going through, which is not particularly a good thing.
0: No, because Bundesliga obviously returned at the weekend. I think they've had a bit of a, a spike in, in terms of what they'd normally see in muscle injuries, which is no surprise from from what you're telling us. But I suppose yeah. from, from players' point of view, yeah, nobody wants to get the virus and things like that. But if a player comes back and tears a hamstring or something like that when they first come back, it's going to be a knock-on yeah. effect from being rushed back. Because if, if UEFA needs to see the Premier League cram games together and all of a sudden you go from no football for nine, ten weeks, even longer, to all of a sudden yeah. two or three games a week, it could cause a few problems.
1: Well, oh, it, it's common sense. I, I'm a massive believer in keeping things simple. And if you if you simplify things, you rush the comeback, you're going to have a higher risk of getting injured. And it's it's quite simple on that fact. The other thing, obviously, is the players' contracts. If you've got somebody that's out of contract and obviously they've extended it a little bit, but they get a bad injury during that time. It it puts them under a massive, I don't know, just an awkward position, very, very awkward position. And and will some players want to to give 100%? I don't know. You know, to to win the league or to, to avoid relegation, probably, yes, but those middle teams, who they're going to be playing against... Could be a little bit, well, oh, I don't really want to go into that. I don't want to get injured. I want to, you know, be available to, to get a new contract here or somewhere else. So There's just so many facts involved.
0: No, certainly is the case. Well, Dave, it's been great to uh, to chat with you about obviously your time at Liverpool and of course the current situation. I hope you're back with the uh, the gloves on on the, the touchline at Plymouth before we know it. And hopefully, of course, in League One, if that promotion does indeed get confirmed. Yeah, I hope so. We'll keep our fingers crossed and then we'll uh, push on for the next one. Former Liverpool head physio and now with Plymouth Argyle, Dave Galley speaking to us here on the Blood Red channel. Well, of course, preparations are well underway for the return of Premier League action. And to keep across all the latest news, head to the Liverpool Echo website and of course, stay tuned to our offerings here on the Blood Red channel. Until next time though, it's bye for now.